Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So, uh, of course, this alliance is a very, very strange one. The alliance between, well, maybe not strange, between Iran, Hamas, and, uh, of, of course, Russia. But what does it actually mean? Is it, uh, does Russia, does Putin have the influence that it seems, uh, that it seems? According to the BBC, Russia has ties to Hamas and has become a close ally of Iran. According to the US, Moscow and Tehran now have a fully fledged defense partnership. Uh, according to the same article, that doesn't mean that Moscow has had direct involvement or prior knowledge of the Hamas attack in Israel. One thing we do know is uh, that it uh, alliances are forming, and uh, if for those of us who follow world history, it is quite scary because we are seeing we are seeing a shifting of global powers. Professor Andre Duvenage, he's a political analyst. A very, very good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Uh, morning, Albert. I am fine over here, and as you say, interesting times we are living in. Yep, and that's the Chinese curse. May we live in interesting times. Uh, somehow would prefer not to at this stage. But uh, we've got Iran. We've got we've got Iran, Russia. Uh, uh, we've got Hamas. Not that they are a country, but certainly they are a force. We've certainly got uh, Hezbollah. We've got China. We all of them seem to be moving in to form a block, and then we've got the United Kingdom, United States, Israel, uh, France, and a couple of others, Germany in the other direction. Are we seeing, are we seeing a lining up for a potential global conflict? Well, I have no doubt that uh, even before the Hamas attack on Israel, these formations took place around the Russia Ukrainian war. Mm. Therefore, I believe in order to understand aspects of the Middle East conflict, we must first take a look at what is going on between Russia and the Ukraine. And I'm not going to uh, elaborate on it. I'm just going to make a few points. The first was that Putin is going for an election next year. And I think he thought that if he uh, took over the Ukraine, this will benefit him in many ways. It should have been a short operation, 36 hours, three days mm. maximum, mm. two weeks. But we know the outcome of this, absolutely the opposite. And I think he completely underestimated the West, Biden, the Germans, and many others. And as a result of that, there's huge polarization uh, between the West and Russia. I would like to argue uh, it is, as a result of the Ukrainian war, bigger than at any time during the so-called Cold War period. And the outcome of this is that Russia is under sanctions. The value of the ruble is more or less equal to one American cent. And uh, then the other aspect is the Russians start losing the war. At one point in time, already more than 200,000 soldiers died. Mm -hmm. They 
busy losing Crimea. Now, Crimea is extremely critical for access to the Black Sea. Right. And I think, and that's my hypothesis, and more and more evidence is serving that this is the case, that in order to survive the situation with the Ukraine, Russia and Putin had to activate another conflict zone. And what is better than the Middle East with its complexity, with its history of conflict? And at the moment, the Russian-Ukrainian war is on the back burner. It's not prominent in the media. Uh, The Western attention is shifted to the Middle East. We have seen the the Gerald Ford aircraft Mm, carrier mm. uh, going to the Middle East. The Dwight D. Eisenhower is on its way. We know that Iran is becoming more and more involved with the so-called red line they are referring to. We know about the connections that develop between Iran and Russia as a result of the Ukrainian war. And then in a bigger historical context, uh, Russia is for a long time involved in the Syrian uh, uh, internal war as a result of that connections to Hamas connections to the Hezbollah, uh, connections to Iran on certain levels, maybe not directly, Mm. but indirectly, 100% involved. And as one person said, everything in uh, the, the Gaza Strip, is running out from water to food to hospital services, etc. But they are still firing rockets, the one after the other. So, uh, in a nutshell, that is my understanding right. of the conflict. The fact that Russia has been fighting a war that they didn't anticipate would go on for so long. They've certainly lost uh, an immense amount financially. They've lost a lot of people. They, they, there must be dissatisfaction for Putin back home. We've known he has to, had to fight quite hard for his political survivor, survival. Doesn't that make him potentially quite weak? Uh, the same as Iran, who have been the subject of sanctions for so long, who who are oppressing its people, who are very dissatisfied, and who potentially can rise up against them. I would be quite surprised that they would want to take on a conflict um, away from home that could cause them so many uh, domestic challenges. What's your thought on that? I think when uh, you are weak in terms of a war, you are probably more dangerous than ever. And I am thinking that both the regimes in Russia and uh, Iran, and you quite correctly said it, are weak at the moment. Mm. But I am picking up a bit of a desperation on the side of Putin. Putin, and there were several attacks on his life, and uh, I think if uh, the war continue uh, with uh, the Ukraine the way it is continuing, Putin is not going to survive this. And this is making him extremely desperate. However, I do not think Russia will easily become directly involved in a conflict with Israel. But they will fight them through third or second parties referring to Hamas, referring maybe to Iran, 
to Syria and so on. Uh, but definitely, uh, weak doesn't mean that you are going to step away from this. I think this is a desperate move on the side of uh, uh, Putin to see if he can survive what is going on in his own country. We know there's a history in Russia. If you lose the war, you lose your position. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about the 1917 revolution, the Bolshevik revolution, and what happened to Tsar Nicholas II. What happened to uh, uh, the Russian leader, uh, I can't remember his name now, after the Cuban missile crisis, Khrushchev. Mm, mm. What happened to Khrushchev? Mm. So I think there is strong evidence that Putin is running into trouble. And uh, to activate this is to, to in a way, uh, create new possible negotiations from where he can benefit, from where he can counter sanctions, from where he can keep the West and their power busy, taking the attention away from Russia, from the Ukraine, Crimea. Because I think a nuclear war at the moment or a nuclear strategy is not going to work for the Russians. And I think the maintenance of their military systems aren't of such a nature that they can actively become in a warm war against the West at the moment. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, but just a quick question. We know that Netanyahu and Putin had a fairly warm relationship. They've met a number of times, probably more than most international uh, leaders have met. Do we know anything about what the status of that relationship well, uh, yes, you're absolutely right. We must take into consideration that there is huge Jewish influences mm. in Russia. Mm. And some of these influences was through history responsible for the creation and the, the, the stain of uh, the Israeli state. So there are interests there. There are general connections and so on. But I think at the moment... Uh, looking at the close connections between Israel and the West, and in particular the uh, the United States of America, which is enemy number one for the Russians, given the Ukrainian mm. war. Mm. I cannot see the Israeli-Russian relationship being on a sound basis. No, but I think you mm. will negotiate, but the priority for Israel is towards the the West and the Americans. Professor Andre Dubinage, fascinating conversation, political analyst. Thank you for that discussion.